Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday as we end yet another week and we kick off the unofficial start of summer with Memorial Day weekend. I'm so happy to have you on board. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. On social media, Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore, and Twitter and Truth Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, a preview of shows coming up on Monday, Memorial Day. We all honor our fallen soldiers, those who have made the ultimate sacrifice and paid the ultimate price for this great nation over so many years, every single generation. We are going to do a very special Memorial Day show for you on Monday, where we are going to honor a different group of veterans. We are going to honor those who have been captured and those who went missing during the war in Vietnam. That war, so controversial, the left really went to town, uh, destroyed this country, ripped it apart, and People got lost in the shuffle, in particular our POWs and MIAs, and we're going to talk about a certain group of women, military spouses, military wives, whose husbands either were captured or went missing in Vietnam, and these women got together in a very brave way, particularly for the time, and they took on President Lyndon Johnson, they took on the Pentagon, they took on the State Department, they went to Paris 
during the peace talks to end the war in Vietnam, they were in the middle of it all fighting for their husbands. They made a tremendous impact. In fact, the whole principle of no man left behind came from their efforts. They are an extraordinary group of women, and we are going to tell their story here on Monday on a very special Memorial Day show, so not to be missed. Also next week, we're going to talk to Judge Janine Pirro, my good friend who has a new book out, Crimes Against America, and pretty soon, a very, very big guest is going to be joining us here. I don't want to give too much away. All I can say is you're not going to want to miss this person. So this is coming up here on the Monica Crowley Show in the days ahead. Not going to want to miss a second of it. All right, later today, we are going to break apart the Republican uh, primary with Ned Ryan of American Majority, who, like our good friend Scott Pressler, is pretty much a one-man band out there trying to register voters do ballot harvesting, ballot chasing, ballot curing, all the stuff that the left has been doing to win elections. Ned Ryan has been on the ground. Along with Scott Pressler, these two are really moving mountains to try to win us elections, and they're doing it essentially by themselves. So we're going to talk to Ned about what he's doing and his impressions of the race. But first, the Monica memo. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And when you are rolling out a presidential campaign, you need to make that first impression count. Donald Trump always does. He's a master showman. Rallies, flags, screaming, adoring fans, every network, cameras in every direction. Donald Trump knows how to stage an announcement. He's been doing it a long time. And in many ways, the other Republican candidates are at a gross disadvantage because they are not showmen. Donald Trump was never a politician. This is one of his great advantages. But the other politicians in this Republican uh, presidential race were never in entertainment. They were never in showbiz. They don't, they don't, they don't have that gene. Donald Trump has that gene. So the others are at a disadvantage, but you would think that they would be able to hire people if they can raise money, hire people who do know showmanship to make sure that a presidential campaign launch is done in the most effective way with the most punch and the most ability to echo over a couple of days through the announcement the rhetoric, the style, and perhaps most importantly, the images. You want the images echoing down the pike for days and weeks and months and even years to come. People remember Barack Obama making his announcement back in, what, 2007 uh, on the steps where Abraham Lincoln was in Springfield, Illinois. Everybody remembers Donald Trump coming down that escalator and making his announcement at Trump Tower. There are ways to do it, and then there are ways not to do it. And it's all about creating a memorable first impression that is positive, that is optimistic, that is upbeat, and again, that can be amplified in a positive way. The best day of any presidential campaign is the first one. 
before you start getting beaten up from every direction, the media, the, the, your opponents, the left, the deep state, the globalists, I mean, really, you are going to get pummeled into the ground over the course of any campaign. So the first day should be the best day because that's really the only day where you completely control the message. Donald Trump knows how to do this. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida appears not to know how to do that, or at least from their launch this week, he and his team appear not to have grasped how to do this. So Governor DeSantis who has been an extraordinary governor, continues to be, is the most effective governor straight up in the country. And in fact, is probably the most effective Republican governor we have ever seen. He is brilliant. He is tough. He is strong. He is taking on all of the issues that need to be confronted, from China to illegal immigration to wokeness to corporations that are not uh, espousing American values. All of it, he is doing the exact right thing. So on paper, he is excellent. And as governor, he is excellent in action. So not just on paper, but, but in action, he has been and continues to be superb. I wrote an article for Newsweek this week, and it's up on all of my social media accounts. I recommend it to you. Please go check it out. Um, It's also at newsweek.com. And I make the point among many in this article that there is a huge difference between being a very effective governor of a big state and running for president. Those are two different things. And then it's something else entirely to run for president against Donald Trump. I would not want to do it. I I admire Governor DeSantis for wanting to take this on. And he's tough and he's strong and and he has been handling Trump beautifully so far in terms of not confronting him full on. He doesn't want to alienate the MAGA base. That is the way to go about it. It comes off as classy. It comes off as politically smart. But this launch this week did not come off as politically smart, unfortunately. And he's got all of these very uh, expensive consultants around him. He's got a lot of big establishment donors with him. I mean, the guy has, what, $200 million at his disposal, and he just got in this race. And in fact, I think he raised $8.2 million in the first 24 hours after his announcement. So he is a money-raising machine. Because a lot of the establishment donors, the donor class, the consultant class, that they all are putting their chips on him because they don't like Trump. Trump is with us. Trump is with the people. And so they are they're they're backing DeSantis because they think that he's the guy who can eliminate Trump as a political force. So he has all of these resources. But one of the key rules of politics is As necessary and important as big money is, it is not the be-all and end-all. We've had big self-financing candidates like Michael Bloomberg, Ross Perot in 1992, billionaires who get in this race and spend, you know, bajillions of dollars on their race, and they get zero traction. 
And what we saw this week with Governor DeSantis was really unfortunate. Again, I like him. I think he's a fantastic governor. And I would like to see a robust primary, not to rip each other apart, which is going to be inevitable. You're in the ring with Donald Trump. Of course, that's going to happen. But I would love to see a robust debate on really critical issues from China to immigration to the economy, uh, the border, taking on our, our adversaries from Russia to Iran. I want to see that debate. Nobody actually likes to have a contested primary. Trump would rather just have a coronation. I get that. But I think it's helpful for all parties, including Trump, to go through this process because ultimately the nominee, you want him to go through the fire. You want him to take it on, just as Trump has been doing for the last eight years. But you want the skills so sharp that when it comes to the general election, they are Johnny on the spot. And the way that happens is through a contested primary. It makes the ultimate nominee so much stronger and more on point, more disciplined, more focused, more deep into all of these issues, so that by the time the debates come, with the Democrat, they are, boom, right there. So I know Trump hates this. DeSantis probably hates it too. They all hate it, but it is necessary. It's a necessary evil, right? Again, the best day for any presidential campaign is the first. And unfortunately, Governor DeSantis did not have the best first day. I want to hit a quick break, and then I want to take this apart on the other side about what we actually saw, what happened here, and then Trump on the other end of this and where we are in this race and where we're going forward. And this is why you come to this show. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. Back in a flash. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, Eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier, too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust. With one click, you and your team can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply with personalized suggestions. You'll be amazed at what you can do. Go to Grammarly.com slash go to download for free.
Okay, welcome back. Before we get into where we are in this Republican side of this race, uh, let's turn to Governor DeSantis actually making his presidential announcement with Elon Musk and David Sachs on Twitter. Twitter basically had a meltdown in Twitter spaces, and it took them about 20, 25 minutes to regroup and put it through another person's account or something. I don't even know what happened. Um, They started with about what, 600, 700,000 people. But because of the technical glitches, and then once they got started, they ended at about 100,000, maybe 150, something like that. So not an auspicious start for Governor DeSantis here. But take a listen to his announcement. Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes. And we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president, well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. Okay, so there he is. He is in the ring. One of his big lines of attack on President Trump is going to be over his handling of COVID. And here he is uh, with Glenn Beck the other day talking about exactly this. I think he did great for three years, but when he turned the country over to Fauci in March of 2020, that destroyed millions of people's lives. And in Florida, we were one of the few that stood up, cut against the grain, took incoming fire from media, bureaucracy, the left, even a lot of Republicans, had schools open, preserved businesses. And so Florida, since COVID, has outperformed virtually any state in the country when you look at all these significant metrics. I mean, we're booming. We've got people moving in here. Uh, Wealth is coming in here. And so I think when people look back, you know, that 2020 year uh, was not a good year for the country as a whole. Uh, It was a a situation where Florida started to stand alone. So I think that that's important contrast. Okay, so Governor DeSantis is now out there beginning to make his case, and we all want to hear his case. Everybody's ears are open for this. But when you make your presidential announcement, it should be, it must be all about you, who you are, what you believe in, what policies you support, and what you are going to do for the country. And first and foremost, it should be, why do you want to be president? This is the question that tripped up Ted Kennedy. Why do you want to be president? Uh, 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 because I'm a Kennedy. It's my turn. I deserve it. (laughs) What? No, that is not a compelling reason to get into a presidential race. So those are the critical questions that should be addressed in the way that you control during your launch Your announcement must all be about you and your message. Again, you want it amplified and echoing through the months and and years ahead. But DeSantis went to Twitter and he was sitting there with Elon Musk and David Sachs and the narrative got away from him. You had three voices chiming in here rather than just DeSantis's voice. 
Elon Musk is not going to be president. David Sachs is not going to be president. Ron DeSantis wants to be president. Why did he cede so much of the conversation and the shaping of the entire dialogue to two other people? Elon is very important. Elon has a huge following. Elon runs Twitter. And I get that the DeSantis people wanted to do something different. I understand. And kudos. But there were two problems with this. One, seeding so much of the conversation to other people and allowing them to shape the conversation. Elon and Sachs were asking him questions. He should have been dominant on a stage. Look, again, I get wanting to do something unique, but the traditional uh, path for presidential announcements is traditional for a reason, because it works. You have a rally, you have screaming fans, you have flags behind you, you have cameras everywhere. You need images, images that will be all over the news that day, the next morning, all over on the front pages of every newspaper across the country and the world. That's what you want. You do not go with a medium like Twitter Spaces, which is one giant conference call, but no images. I mean, he just sort of shot himself in the foot. He cut off a whole area of amplification for this announcement. Twitter, yes, is hip now under Elon Musk, and he's doing so many great things. But you know what? The, the, the Twitter spaces should have come after the formal rally of an announcement with a beautiful backdrop in Tallahassee with flags and the state house. And uh, I mean, that's what it should have been. Again, that stuff is done because it works. And then you do the Twitter spaces as like a, an after party. You know, you do a giant Twitter spaces conference call with Elon or by yourself as like an after party from the announcement. That's what you do to amplify, but you don't make that the central pillar. Not good. Not good. And then, you know, DeSantis followed it up with this comment. He said, quote, he's not a big social media guy and would rather watch cable TV news than be on some app. What? You just announced your presidential campaign on some app. I mean, this is, it's not good. This is inauspicious, shall we say, for Governor DeSantis's presidential run. Now, maybe he can overcome this. um, But again, you know, you want to get off on the right foot And this was most certainly not the right foot. And it also goes to show that political instincts are not to be minimized. Political instincts are absolutely critical. Now, you could say, well, the candidate could go hire political instincts, right? Consultants who have done this before, etc. But all of these consultants are establishment folks. They're not MAGA. They're not, they're not part of the America First movement. They are there to get rich. And actually, they don't want the America First movement because that sidelines them. The power is with us in America First, not with them. 
So they're trying to do everything they can along with the left and the deep state, et cetera, to kill the American first movement. So they're not on our side. And they're out there getting rich by the tens of millions of dollars off of people like Governor DeSantis, giving him advice that is horrendous. And and the impression that is being left with those of us who supported President Trump, continue to support President Trump, the America First movement is, oh my God, he doesn't get it. Because you can have all of these consultants feeding you advice and guidance and creating these ads and setting you up on Twitter for this announcement. But if the candidate does not have excellent instincts, the candidate is going nowhere. And if the candidate has any kind of establishment whiff on them, the candidate is going nowhere. Now, Ron DeSantis is smart enough to know not to alienate the America First base. And he has a lot of good America First instincts. But if his political instincts aren't superb, Donald Trump is going to machine gun the guy. I'm sorry, but it's true. Donald Trump, who has never done any of this prior to 2015, has the best political instincts I have ever seen. He is a viscerally instinctual politician and literally the best I've ever seen. And I worked with President Nixon during his last years. I met President Reagan, so many American presidents and leaders, world leaders, etc. Donald Trump is the best instinctual politician I have ever seen in my life. So when you pair that with Trump's extraordinary record as president, delivered a booming economy, secure border, and world peace, plus law and order. And all Trump has to say is, I did all of this for four years. I did it once before. I'm going to do it again. And here's how I'm going to do it a second time. When you pair that, the record, with the extraordinary political instincts, I mean, Trump is unbeatable. I will say this. I do think that there is plenty of time for Governor DeSantis to regroup. Uh, There is plenty of time for him to get more attuned to running on the national level. Um, You can't change a person. You can coach them. You can guide them. You can create an image for them. But when it comes to the early primary states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, this is all about retail politics. Voters want to see you, shake your hand, look you in the eye, hear you in living rooms. I covered Elizabeth Dole's uh, brief presidential campaign years ago, and I was standing in a living room in New Hampshire, and there were about 25 people there, and there was Elizabeth Dole speaking to them. That is what the primary process is about. Donald Trump holds these big rallies. He connects emotionally with his voters, with the base, and with others. But it is an organic emotional bond that is unbreakable. And to me, that is something that no Republican challenger can overcome. But they're going to have to try to at least make connections with actual voters. I have not seen that yet with Governor DeSantis. Now, he was able to connect with folks in Florida, which is good. But Florida, as big a state as it is, is not the country. 
So the folks in Iowa are not Floridians. The folks in South Carolina are not Floridians. New Hampshire, the same, and across the board. And from what we have seen so far, he's a little awkward out there. Now, he didn't become governor twice, the second time in a landslide, because he's some sort of rube. Obviously, he's brilliant, and he knows how to work a crowd, etc. But retail politics at the presidential level is way different. And the states are way different. So it remains to be seen if he can connect with folks in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and elsewhere the way he connects with Floridians. We will have to see that, but he has to figure out a way to communicate to the American people. One final thought on this, and then we'll go to Ned Ryan on this and, and get his view on not just this race, but, um, but how we can do the grassroots effort on ballot harvesting and, and chasing, etc. The communication part of this, Donald Trump goes out and speaks like the blue-collar billionaire that he is. You know, his true socials, his tweets, I mean, they've got grammatical errors, which makes me crazy because I'm a stickler for grammar. Um, But he goes out there and he talks like a regular person. And there is a raw authenticity to Donald Trump, which is a huge, huge advantage for him. Sometimes it's a little too raw. I get it. (laughs) But that kind of raw authenticity works. It works. And what we saw this week from DeSantis talking to Musk, I mean, I I think they only, I think DeSantis only mentioned the word inflation once in that conversation. And then he was using words like the narrative and talking about Bitcoin and stuff. Guys, you know, and it was just, it was very online. You know, it was very sort of niche. It was a niche conversation. The base and other voters want you as a candidate to talk directly to them in language that they can relate to. They're not going to... I mean, I hate to say this because, again, I love the governor so much, but it was like listening to the Republican version of Chris Hayes on MSNBC talking about the narrative, you know, talking about this language that the average person just can't relate to and doesn't want to relate to. We don't want to elect Chris Hayes. We want to elect a strong populist fighter. That's where we are. So my piece of advice to Governor DeSantis is, you're paying all these consultants big money, find a way to talk directly to the American people. Because if you don't, Trump is just going to wipe the floor with you. Because that's something he does organically and brilliantly. So we're off to the races, guys, and we will see how it all plays out. All right, we're going to be all over this on this show. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ned Ryan about the race on the GOP side and also the heavy lifting that he is doing. He's a real hero here on ballot harvesting, chasing, curing, etc. All the stuff that we need to do to actually win elections. But first, guys, listen up because you're going to want to take advantage of this limited time package upgrade from our friends over at GenuCell. GenuCell has upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum, which I love, plus 
the Ultra Retinol Moisturizer with Natural Retinol Alternative. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica and save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package, featuring both the GenuCell Ultra Retinol, which I use every night and love, and GenuCell's Firming Serum, which I also love. Plus, get a complimentary Spa Essentials box with every package order and free upgrade to priority shipping. GenuCell's been a family recipe for over 20 years. It's their great secret, and that makes it safe for all skin types and perfect for both men and women. Made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches and always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. Get the best skincare of your life with GenuCell. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica and save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. Every most popular package features their ultra retinol and GenuCell's firming serum. So don't wait. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica, GenuCell.com slash Monica. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order plus Free upgrade to priority shipping. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Monica, Genucel dot com slash Monica. We're coming right back. Well, I'm thrilled to welcome back to the program our good friend, Ned Ryan. Ned is the CEO of American Majority, which does really important work in terms of training conservative grassroots activists and new leaders to be more effective and to win elections, which is the point. And in fact, this group has been so successful that they have nearly 63,000 conservative activists already trained and out there in the field. This is the kind of work we all need to be focused on because the left has been doing this really effectively for a very long time. And Ned and American Majority have really stepped up and they're matching the left on this. This is how we win elections. Ned is also a senior fellow at American Greatness, which our good friend Julie Kelly does so much writing at. That's also just incredibly important. So you can find Ned on Twitter at Ned Ryan, Ryan with a U, R-Y-U-N, and A at A-M underscore national if you want to check out American Majority. Ned, welcome back. Yeah, no, good to be back with you, Monica. Well, it's so good to have you here. Thank you so much. So there's a lot to to discuss. And I want to talk about your work uh, gearing up for next year's elections, because you guys at American Majority, Scott Pressler out there doing the hard right. work, the heavy lifting in the field. This is what it's all about. So I want to talk to you about that in a second. But first, I know you're supporting President Trump, as am I, right. in the Republican primary. But now the battle has been joined by Florida Governor yeah. Ron DeSantis. You got others now in this race. How is it shaping up in your view? Well, my, my short uh, response to that, it's, it's two political giants and a bunch of political pygmies. Um, this, is, this is really a primary between Trump and DeSantis, and the others that are running uh, are doing it for a whole host of reasons, but winning is not one of them. Um, you know, whether it's Nikki Haley or Tim Scott, um, you know, any of those candidates, I think they're out there to raise their profile, maybe talk about some issues that are important to them, but it's not about winning. Uh, between Trump and DeSantis, though, I'm not even really sure that's about winning either for DeSantis. If you look at the polls, 
Um, you know, he he's down 30 points, 40 points in some of these polls. But more importantly, Monica, if you look at some of these key early states like Iowa, I think I saw a poll yesterday. He's down 60. Let's see, Trump at 60. DeSantis was at 20. And I know things change and can change dramatically uh, now that everybody's officially into the campaign. But that's a big that's a big gap to overcome. And and I think one of the problems, and again, I will say this, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis is one of our best governors by far. Uh, but now he's running against somebody who is beloved by the base, uh, who has really put America first front and center for the Republican Party. And so I think the thing that DeSantis is really going to struggle to overcome is how do you attack somebody who's beloved by the base? And again, primaries are about the base. And who is promoting and really kind of the originator of the America first platform. So how do you go at him? I think he'll probably go at him over some maybe the COVID response and some other things. But I think DeSantis has a tall order to really narrow that gap uh, to make it even competitive. And I would also remind people that um, that, you know, we've got the debates coming up. We've got uh, debates in August, and then we've got the Iowa caucuses that are coming up in January. There's not a lot of time on the calendar for DeSantis to be making up this gap. And so I'm, I'm actually kind of fascinated now that they're both in, how is this going to shape? But, but I, I just don't know if, if Ron can have uh, has the time or the wherewithal to be able to close the gap with Trump. So I just opened the show doing, a, you know, a bunch of monologues about this, uh, Ned. And, my, you know, my point, among many points, is that there's a huge difference between being a very effective governor of a big state, as DeSantis is, and running for president. And then it's exactly. something else entirely to run for president against Donald Trump. I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> I know you wouldn't want to do it. No. Um, and, and here is Governor DeSantis taking it on. But to your point, you know, I, Bill Maher made a, it was like the perfect encapsulation of what's happening here. Bill Maher, who's no fan of Donald Trump, but he said, look, you, you've got the original here, right? Yes. So Ron DeSantis exactly. is like the tribute band. <laughs> so why would you go with the tribute band when you still have the original artist that you can support? And I think that is a very difficult, if not impossible thing for him to overcome. Well, so there's there's a couple other things, too. And, and like you said, it is a huge step to go from being a successful governor to stepping up and running for president. And, and I have to tell you, Monica, I'm kind of getting a Scott Walker vibe off of DeSantis at the moment. Let's mm. not forget in, in 2015, one of the most successful governors uh, that we had as a Republican was stepping up to run the presidential. And then people realized, I'm not sure he's cut out to run for president. So I think DeSantis uh, he's going to have to get that that impression out of people's minds, but but that really is an impression at the moment. The other thing that I would highlight to people is this: is there really anything we don't know about Donald Trump at this moment in time? This is one of the most investigated, attacked uh, presidents ever in in the history of this country. Ron DeSantis has not been fully exposed to what I would call the full scope political colonoscopy. And I think that's that's a difference that people don't seem to fully take into account when talking about Trump versus DeSantis. Trump has gone through the ringer a thousand times. Ron DeSantis really hasn't. He's not been exposed to very hard hitting, um, you know, attack ads. He's not been exposed to to a lot of the things that I think the national media is going to put him through. So I'm kind of curious to know how he stands up to that pressure because it will be intense. It will be immense. And then you've got 
the 800-pound gorilla in Republican politics, Donald Trump, who's going to be coming hard at him. So I'm really curious to see how Ron DeSantis will react to all of this. And right now, I don't know how much of a contest it will actually be against Donald Trump. I want to tease out that point because it's a really important one about DeSantis. Look, he is very smart, um, Ivy League educated. He is very tough. He's proven that. He's got you know great bona fides in, in the state of Florida in terms of his leadership. Um, but to your point about not being tested on the national stage, I want to add one other point, and it's a point that I made in uh, a big Newsweek column that I had this week, which is that now that we know what the deep state is capable of, and right. now that we know that they have advanced their agenda so far and so fast under first Obama and now Biden, they are going to pull out all of the stops to stop whomever we nominate. Yep. So my point is, you might as well go with the ultimate fighter who has stared them down and is still standing out of some miracle and, and personal strength in Donald Trump. Oh rather than go with an untested guy who has no idea what is going to be coming at him from the deep state. I, I, I think this is, this is really 2024. This is the issue. This is, I think, what is at stake in 2024. The deep state, the administrative state, all these people who think they're the ones who decide, they're the ones who should govern, they will view any Republican, whoever the nominee is, as an existential threat to their way of life and the system of government that we're actually operating under. And Donald Trump is, has confronted it. He's been obviously the brunt of their attacks uh, before he was president, while he was president, after he was president. He knows how to deal with them and he knows what he's up against. But you know, at, to, to further that point, this is what's at stake in 2024. Are we going to actually have a shot? at a duly elected president in a constitutional republic being the one who decides, or are we going to just say, we're going to continue down this path of an administrative state with powerful unelected bureaucrats are truly the ones who govern. And I think that's one of the big central issues for 2024. Yes, absolutely. And I've said this this here, Ned, which is every Republican candidate for president has to answer that question very directly. Yes. What is your plan to dismantle defund, take apart, burn to the ground, metaphorically, yes. of course, uh, the administrative state, starting with the DOJ and FBI. And, you know, my feeling it, is they cannot be reformed. So you've got to just eliminate it and start from scratch. And the good people who are at places like the FBI, they can reapply, but they'll have to yes. be vetted. That's the only way yes. forward. Uh, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm about to finish a new book called American Leviathan, and this is the theme, this is the entire premise that really talking about the rise of the administrative state and progressive authoritarianism and where we are today, and then the last chapter is dealing with a lot of the reform that I think needs to take place, but, but whoever wins, the re- and, and, and hopefully it's going to be Donald Trump that wins the general in 2024, has to declare war day one on the administrative state and say, I will break the state, I will devolve it, and we are going to use every means, all the means and resources that I have available to do this. And it has to be the first thing that Donald Trump does when he gets back into office to say, I declare war on the administrative state, let's go. And Trump has said that. Now, DeSantis is making noises that he will do the same because I think he understands the magnitude of the threat, but also I think he understands that this is where the base is. 
that if you do not take a hard line on this, we are not going to give you a second look. So uh, it's good to hear this I from agree. DeSantis, but you know Trump is the one who has really borne the the attacks over the last eight years from the deep state and the administrative state, and so he gets it now. I don't think he got it in his first term. I think he sort of got it, you know, but he was such a neophyte. He had never done any of this before, right? So now he gets well, he it. Was such, that's that's what you want. Yeah. No, he was such an outsider. I remember him telling me this. Had to be three years in to to his presidency, in which he said, "Ned, I knew it was bad. I, I knew that it was the swamp. I did not realize that it was this bad. I mean, it really is. When I tell people, Donald Trump was the great outsider, such an outsider that he didn't fully understand when he walked, you know, went down that escalator, what he was actually getting himself into. And I think his eyes have been opened in a very dramatic way, and I do think he knows." what the battle is about. And, and I, I think what he's going to do better this time, Monica, that was kind of, let's be honest, not done very well, presidential personnel and realizing right. every last person that is in that, every position in that plum book, even the schedule C's have to be rock stars to go into these various departments and agencies to implement my policies and wage war with the administrative state. Yes, and it's funny because as soon as I went into the Treasury Department, uh, the president, the president said to me, Monica, I'm so glad that you're finally with us. This is excellent. And then he said, Monica, oh my God, nobody told me that I had to fill like 30,000 positions in yes. the federal government. And we were laughing about it, but he said, Monica, I thought it was more like 300 and instead it's like no. 30. So it was a completely overwhelming prospect for yep. him. And there were so many Obama Biden holdovers, so many uni party uh, people, so many deep state operatives in that government that were undermining him from within. Now he gets it and his second term will not look like the first. I totally agree. So one more question before we get to how we are actually going to win next year, because you're doing so much important work on that score, Ned. Um, do you think that Governor DeSantis is playing the odds because he's down so far in key states and nationally, et cetera, to Donald Trump? Do you think he is playing the odds that the left is going to imprison Donald Trump, that Trump will go to jail, which is their ultimate objective. There are more indictments coming from Jack Smith, the special counsel right. from Georgia and elsewhere, that he is running the odds that Trump will so. go to jail and he will be the default candidate. No, I, I think that's the only calculation that's a winning calculation for Ron DeSantis. I mean, if it is a fair match between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, it's not much of a contest. And I think DeSantis and his team are making the calculation that somehow he's going to get a favor uh, in which Donald Trump is taken out and he's really the last man standing. So I think that is absolutely part of the calculation that some, they're, they're hoping, planning, thinking something will happen to Donald Trump uh, before the primaries or during the primaries that will vacate the field and he'll be, then he'll be the 800 pound gorilla because if it's not Trump, it'll be DeSantis, and they have to they have to somehow figure out if, if you know Donald Trump's not in the field anymore. But it won't be because of them. I mean, I want to make this very clear, Monica. If it is a fair fight between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump hands down wins the race. Right. 
Yes, I, I completely agree with you. I think as it stands now, this primary is over. Um, but, you know, the, the left is not going to stop until they get rid of Donald Trump because he is an existential threat to their absolute grip on power. So they're going to pull out all the stops to imprison him. This Agreed. has been their objective since June of 2015 when he came down that escalator. So I do think DeSantis is making a cold calculation that Trump will go to jail and that he will be the default candidate. So we'll have to see. We're going to hit a break. Back in a flash. All right, let's turn um, in our final moments here with you, Ned, let's turn to what you guys are doing in terms of on the ground um, ballot harvesting, ballot curing, ballot chasing. Now, we've talked about this a long time. This is what the left has been doing very well the last couple of uh, cycles here, and our side just is not uh, up to it. I'm glad to know that you guys are taking this on. I saw your tweet the other day where you said, there is a difference between ballot harvesting and ballot chasing. Tell us the difference. Yes. So let me let me explain a little bit. The Florida GOP uh, for multiple election files, cycles, let's call it six election cycles, have been very good at a ballot chase program in which they know about 1.1 to 1.3 million absentee ballots are requested by Republican voters. Those ballots are sent out six weeks before the election. And then the chase is actually going and trying to track down 80 to 90% of those ballots and get them returned. So a ballot chase program is, is trying to get people to request a ballot, the ballot is sent, and then you chase that ballot to get it to come back in. And this is something that, quite frankly, I was stunned that a lot of state GOPs outside of Florida were not doing in 2022. Uh, and so a lot of us have been working on plans to make sure that it does actually happen to, to highlight the difference, Monica, between Florida and others. In Arizona, there were about a million absentee ballots requested by Republicans. Only 650,000 were returned, 65%. Mm. If you got to 80%, in fact, if you got to 77%, everybody would have won. Carrie Lake would have won. Abe would have won. Blake Masters would have won. Fincham would have won. We would have won everything across the board in Arizona, not even getting to what is considered the bare minimum acceptable 80%. But nobody was doing what they should have been doing inside the state party. So a lot of us have said, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to put plans in place that we are going to have robust absentee ballot chase programs in at least four, if not six, of the presidential battlegrounds next year. So that's what we're working on. The difference, and it's kind of the same, but it's a little bit different with ballot harvesting. Harvesting is legal in some states, but not legal in others, in which someone who is not associated with that voter can come to the door and say, we know you have a ballot. You can give it to us, and we will return it for you. In Florida, ballot harvesting is not legal. Uh, In Virginia, it is. So what we're doing this year in Virginia with the state House and state Senate races We're not only going to be taking absentee ballot request forms to the doors of low-intensity, low-propensity voters, but we're also going to go, if you have a ballot, haven't returned it yet, we can return it for you. And it's perfectly legal to do that in Virginia, not only to take a ballot, but unlimited amounts of ballots and get them returned so that they're counted. And this is the one thing that the left has done very, very well. They're about ballots, not votes anymore. And I highlight this in a couple pieces that I've written recently in which Katie Hobbs in Arizona Shapiro in Pennsylvania, they didn't even bother to debate their opponent in the gubernatorial race. Why? Because they weren't really concerned about persuading voters as they were about collecting ballots. 
And I right. think this is something that if we do even the bare minimum, Monica, if we have a absentee ballot chase in the model of Florida and we just follow what Florida has done, I think we better our chances significantly of winning a lot of the battleground states because we just simply haven't done it. And if we do it and we do it fairly well, I, I like our chances in 2024, but it, it takes about 10 million. That's what that's what Florida does every cycle. They put 10 million into six weeks to collect ballots. And if you do that in four to six presidential battleground states, I like our chances. You know, it's interesting that you're raising Florida. We were just talking about Governor DeSantis, and he has been very effective in building out the Republican infrastructure and exactly this kind of thing. But I want to highlight something, Monica, that a lot of people are not paying attention to. The people who really built out that program, who said, we're committing to this, we're going to execute it, we're going to run it. Do you know who they're working for now? Donald J. Trump. Susie Wiles, Matt Parker, all of these guys that I know who executed for at least five election cycles, the absentee ballot chase program in Florida, are now working for Donald Trump. That all to say, this should give people hope that people that know how to do the Florida plan are running in a significant way a lot of the field program for Donald Trump's presidential campaign. And if God forbid, God forbid Donald Trump is not the nominee, Ron DeSantis' team also knows how to do a ballot chase program. So I think we should feel confident between whoever the nominee is plus the outside groups, we are not going to let this slip through the cracks in 2024. And we saw the proof. The proof is in the pudding or the proof is in the ballot chasing, right? Because we saw it in Florida where Florida tilted completely red, even in deep blue. I don't think it's a battleground state. Right. Deep blue areas like Miami-Dade and and Palm Beach County. And I mean, they went deep. They went red for the first time. And it's because we were able to chase these ballots down and play the game according to the rules as they are, not as we wish they could be. Right. So Carrie Lake is is launching a similar operation in Arizona, correct? She is. And and so far, and I reminded her on Twitter, they are they are you know, putting together a million dollar plan, great step in the right direction. Uh, It is not the largest absentee ballot chase program in the history of Republican politics because of Florida. But the fact that you have Carrie Lake, she's talking about it in a key presidential. I think this should give people hope. But but Monica, the other aspect that I want to highlight before we close up here is what Ron DeSantis and the others that have been part of the Florida GOP, like Susie, like Matt Parker, all these others, they have actually taken Florida off of battleground status because they have done the absentee ballot chase so well that right. Ron DeSantis wins by 20. The other thing that they've done, and this is actually another aspect of absentee ballot chase, voter registration. In Florida, there has been about a 700,000 voter registration switch in partisan gap. Democrats had about a quarter million advantage in 2018. They're now down about 450,000 right now in Florida because the Republican Party in Florida decided we're going to invest about two to three million a year to build out our voter base so that we then have more ballots and more voters to chase when it comes time for the elections. And so I want to highlight this for people as well. Voter registration kind of sets the dynamics for a beneficial battlefield. So if you invest in that, you better your chances in actually having a better ballot chase program in the elections. Yes, and that's something Scott Pressler is doing really effectively. He's a one-man band out there as well, and he's an absolute hero, as you guys are as well. Final question for you. Are you getting any support whatsoever from the RNC? (laughs) 
I guess that answers um, the question. <laughs> that I, I think that's probably the answer right there, Monica. Uh, no, not even a dime. But, you know, the other thing is, Monica, I don't want a dime from them. I've got a bunch of good donors. I've got a bunch of good people that I'm working with. They're, they are determined. They are focused. And they want to see a plan that I have laid out implemented. And I, I, am, I am assuming that an RNC under the leadership of Rana, Romney McDaniel will continue its tenure of complete failure. We have to assume that. So we have to do what we think is necessary in 2024. But I'm just assuming the RNC, which hasn't done the right things for multiple election cycles, will not do the right thing in 2024. So it's incumbent upon us to make sure it happens. Well, you are also a hero, Ned Ryan, being out there on the ground doing the heavy lifting that the RNC and state uh, GOP organizations should be doing, but simply aren't because they like the status quo. They're getting rich they and empowered off the status quo, but they are not there for we the people. You certainly are. And you're such a hero, Ned. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Monica. Of course, always great to talk to you. Ned Ryan, the CEO of American Majority, doing extraordinary work. Find them on the web at AmericanMajority.org, also on Twitter at AM underscore national. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me on this holiday Friday. Thank you so much for joining us and for checking out our great sponsors. We all really appreciate that. On Monday, a very special Memorial Day show for you, telling the story of these extraordinary American women who got together and took on the entire United States government, actually the entire world, to get their captured and missing husbands home from the Vietnam War. This story is going to have you on the edge of your seat. It is an unbelievable story with these real, really average American women who became heroines. Such an amazing story. That's Monday. Also next week, Judge Jeanine Pirro. And coming up in the days ahead, a really big guest. Not to be missed. All right. Have a very blessed Memorial Day. Uh, Spare a moment for our fallen heroes who have given everything for this country. We are fighting for this country every day. But those heroes who gave their lives for America so that we could have this fight, so that we could continue to fight for freedom, honor them this weekend and remember them. All right. Have a blessed holiday weekend with those you love. And I'll see you right back here on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.